This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. great place for an intro. It's a real missed opportunity. Hello everyone and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host Mr. Petey Pob. And with me, Psych, it's a pirate episode. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's a pirate episode. You're joined here by Val Heffelfinger and the one, the only, the Falcone. That's me. Um, also, uh, we send our regrets to the other members of this podcast that were accidentally kicked off of it tonight. Uh, Jeff and Sean, we're ready to go. So if we really suck tonight, Peter. Um, we we are about eight levels below them in the totem pole of awesome. So, yeah, we have not even a fraction of the credibility between us, and it all belongs to you. So let's, without much further ado, um, get some of our housekeeping out of the way. So we're still, so, br- we're still brought to you by Frontline Gaming, where you can get all of your hobby goodies for a stinking hot deal on all the days of the week. Check out FrontlineGaming.org to see all the awesome stuff that they have. Matt's terrain, second handies from Pablo. Hey, and if you're a fan of the podcast, you can always support Chapter Tactics on our Patreon. Each month, we give away some really awesome swag. In fact, just today, Mr. Nick Mead won himself a new Lord Discordant and Abaddon the Despoiler. For the month of May, I believe Pablo is planning on offering up an amazing LVO VIP package to the lucky winner. Ooh, that again is Mr. Nick Mead. Congratulations. Um, And if uh, you're some sort of 40k philanthropist, double down and check out the ITC Patreon while you're at it. Uh, you can support all the good things that the guys at Frontline do. Yeah, and I believe now they're starting a list design service just like everybody else in the world. Not just like everybody else. This is this is this is Frankie, who oh. I have been conditioned to believe is the quote greatest 40k player of all time. It's quite possible that he is. But you know, we are also brought to you by the Boise Cup. You guys can head over to Boise on June 29th and 30th. Some for good old fashioned uh, bone tossing. Boise, home of the Hawks. Go Hawks! And if you're planning on being Hawaii and uh, planning on being in Hawaii in late June, uh, you should go check out the Throne of War GT in sunny Honolulu. Your favorite hosts, Pablo and Sean, will be soaking up the sun and dancing the nights away, along with the oldest man in Warhammer, Reese Richard Robbins. What a guy. What a guy. Can't believe they're getting to go all the way across the beautiful Pacific Ocean, and we have to stay here in freezing Canada. That's right, but you know the spring thaw is here, and uh, soon you'll be uh, tormented by an endless sun. Mm, mm. Winter is coming, and I hope it is soon. That's right. Um, so why are we uh, why are we taking over this show right now? Well, um, to be perfectly honest, it really only has to do with the fact that Pobs bought himself a new house and he's moving. That's right. So we decided to kind of rush a little something that we've been cooking up uh, for. Well, I don't know how long you've been thinking about it, but uh, I was uh, clued in uh, what about six months ago. Yeah, yeah, well, yes. Yeah, about six months ago, we uh, started putting together a little earnestly uh, uh, a show that's completely designed around tournament coverage. We're going to try and bring it to you fresh. 
as soon as the tournaments happen. Um, but this is sort of our first go at it. Um, it's going to bring in uh, kind of like a sports highlight style show. Uh, we're going to run down lists and hopefully get a lot of comments and stuff from the uh, the players themselves. Yeah, like the goal here is to move away from talking about rumors and opinions and just more focus on what happened and who was there when it happened. Um, I think it's well, I think we both agree that there's a bit of a gap there in that part of the community. It's kind of a secondary thought often with a lot of the podcasts out there. So why not make it the whole shebang? Um, If this goes well, hopefully we'll be able to start up a fully fledged show in June. So hit us up with your feedback. Let us know what you like, what you dislike and what you want to hear more of. Also, you might have already noticed some, uh, you know, differences in audio quality. I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God the mix goes well here. Um, but, you know, this is a work in progress. This really is a pilot. We weren't expecting to uh, launch this uh, in front of a wider audience. So uh, please do give us your feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, what, uh, what you might want to hear more of, uh, anything that you thought was cool. That'd be nice if someone thought something was cool that we'd do. So I guess that's, that's basically our long-ass intro out of the way are you, are you ready to, to take a shot at this i don't know will you hold my hand because we said we said there was a that it was like a sports like uh show and remember guys like this is all, again you know this is just our first crack at theme music uh and, and who knows what it'll wind up being but here we go here we go the for the pilot episode everybody a 40k stat center let's do this You're listening to 40K Stat Center with your hosts, Mel Heppelfinger and the Falcon. Big names blasting at the Canadian Tabletop Championship. Who will be crowned the true king of the North? A different title on the line in Florida as a new trailer park supervisor is named after winning the battle for the peak GT. Everyone gets happy at the Circle City GT. And finally, put your hands together, find your mouse ears and wizard hats, because Fantasia 35 is coming to the stage. Oh, yeah, we almost got it in on the intro. Welcome to the initial, the pilot episode of 40K Stat Center. Once again, I'm your host, Val Heffelfinger, and you're my other host. Peter the Falcon Colosimo. You know, I'm just going to try and cut it down to the Falcon. I, I don't think you need actual names, but that's just me. What an amazing weekend, Peter. Yeah, I know. Four big events, two of the majors, two very large GTs, and just about everyone gave it a really good go at trying out this new fact. It, it was uh, pretty interesting to see these guys uh, take that ball and say, we're not going to run a, a tournament with no old rules, except the dudes at Circle City. But I mean, to be fair, um, it was really only about four days notice. So credit where credit's due. Our first event uh, kind of dove in headfirst. So they, they, uh, our first event, of course, is the uh, Canadian Tabletop Championship taking place in Ottawa. Um, uh, last weekend at the gorgeous Rideau Hall and Curling Club, where BD, BD Linton on Google says, the ice is very nice, the facilities are more modern than some clubs, and there is a large lounge and five sheets of ice to play on. Uh, unfortunately, the players were not allowed to set up tables in the lanes, but... This was the first. Uh, this was the event's first year, and we hear they truly knocked it out of the park. Kudos to Joseph Gordon and the rest of the TOs and judges for putting on what we hear was a very good shoe. Um, we're actually going to kick it over to Stephen Pampreen, who's uh, who's got uh, some firsthand uh, information to share with us. Venue itself is pretty awesome. It was a good event. Uh, it was very Canadian. Happened in a curling stadium, rink, gym. I, I don't know what the nomenclature is. Uh, 
but uh, it was freezing in there, and I was really annoyed that I didn't bring my Canadian ETC jer- uh, jersey that Val gave me. Uh, that's a hockey jersey because it's too warm to wear at any other tournament, but it turns out that this tournament, it was like 40 degrees Fahrenheit in the play area, <laughs> so it would have been perfect to wear. I was kind of disappointed I didn't bring it. Uh, but overall, it was a great tournament. I had a good time. Um, did get back super late Sunday, uh, more like Monday morning early. And uh, Oh, that's too bad, Pamps. Uh, sorry to hear about the uh, the the early morning as a result of, of your, your late return home after the CTC. But just a message out to Jill. There's, a, there's one of the best Orc players around, and he seemed to have a good time. Shocker. Hmm, shocker, that's for sure. Now, 64 players did gather in that hallowed hall to go tete-a-tete, as they say in French, mm-hmm. in the beautiful game. Uh, there were six rounds. They used ITC missions. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, the brand new FAC, uh, which was in place. Although I do believe uh, they did let Inari off uh, the hook just because um, they'd be playing a completely different game. Yeah, just be- and, and you know what? What has Inari gotten so far in this edition? Why not give them one last chance to just pound the living hell out of the middle tables? Yeah, exactly. One last hurrah, as they say. But I mean, there were a lot of big names that showed up to the seat, this first CTC. We had Nick Nanavati, the mayor of Browntown, knight of the game table, first of his name. Uh, we had uh, Stephen, treat him mean, keep him keen, Pam Preen, the queen of mean, the lord of the horde, bearer of the ring. Um, I believe that there was a certain Ridvan, the Archon Martinez, darkest of elves, possibly British, and the splinter mind. Definitely Mexican. Uh, President John Camacho. Jim of House Vessel, Lord of the North, Purveya Vegan Pizza, and the Canadian Lord of Light. Uh, and finally, TJ Lanigan. Ooh, Kingslayer. Where do these guys come up with these nicknames anyway? So 10 of the 64 players in attendance brought Imperial Knights as their primary faction of choice, and 24 lists had some sort of militarium element. No Grey Knights were in attendance. That's too bad they didn't hear about Briscon. Titan is apparently too important for the Rideau Hall. By the way, Rideau Hall... Is the uh, is, is I believe the official res- residence of the Governor General of Canada. This is the Governor General's personal curling rink, big venue here, guys. Um, they really went all out. So, what was the big question of the weekend? Well, does Jim Vessel even bleed? I mean, ever since his loss at the final table, of Barry Bash, he's been basically an unstoppable apologetic monster. He crushed his foes beneath a weight of smites, his crazy conversion beamer dreadnought, and that smile that says, I may have had too much to drink last night and this morning. And if he was about to uh, take the knee, who would it be to? Pampering, Nanavati, Johnny from the liquor store? No, Jim cut down all three as he trudged through those broom-swept halls. Right now, to the man himself, I'm pretty sure... He's going to be talking about that very climb to the top. All right. So um, my highlight match of the tournament probably would have to go to uh, Nick Nanavati. That was my uh, game three on day day one. Um, me and Nick had previously played at Nova uh, last year on stream, and he you know beat the pants off me. And so um, since then, you know, I've improved a lot as a player. And going up against you know one of the top players in the world uh, was something that uh, I was really looking forward to. He had never lost with his list, and neither had I. And uh, winning that game by one point felt really good and, uh, you know, hopefully kind of made me feel a lot more confident about my skill as a player. So shout out to Nick. He's a great opponent. He didn't plug Knights at the Games table, but you can tell he wanted to there. Yeah. Who doesn't when it's all said and done? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and Nick would have plugged it himself on tonight's episode if it wasn't for the fact that he couldn't figure out how to record a message in Facebook Messenger. 
It happens to the best of us, my friend. You know, he leaves it all on the table. Nothing left for anything else. Uh, so in what would turn out to be a rematch from that fateful night almost two months prior, when JV had suffered defeat, Jim would face his possibly his greatest foe, his Team Canada teammate, TJ Lanigan. Are you ready with the list? Oh, yeah. In fact, I have them right up here on 40kstats.com. Uh, if you go on top fours, anybody that's listening in, you can scroll all the way down to the Canadian Tabletop Championship and see the top four right there. We're going to cut through uh, TJ's first, followed by Jim's. So TJ Lanigan, he brought a Chaos Demons Battalion Detachment, Chaos Undivided, 834 points. He had a Changecaster, Poxbringer, Sloppity Bilepiper, 60 Plague Bearers and 29 Pink Horrors. He also brought with him a Thousand Suns Supreme Command Detachment, 491 points with Ariman, two Demon Princes of Zinch with Wings and Talons, and a Death Guard Vanguard Detachment with a Demon Prince of Nurgle, eight Blightlord Terminators, and two Foul Blightspawn. Let's maybe kick it over to uh, TJ himself. He's going to talk a little bit about uh, you know his list and uh, one of the key elements uh, therein. Uh, so the MVP units for my weekend, uh, most definitely, um, which is unsurprising to me, but um, maybe unsurprising to a lot of people who uh, first look at my list, uh, is the Death Guard stuff. The Death Guard stuff is the best, the best units in my game. Um, in in my in my games, they just pull the most work. You got the foul blight spawns to do the flamer damage, so they're really good at killing vehicles. They're really good at killing characters that they get too close. And anything that just I need to eliminate, uh, the negative three AP weapon with three damage flat is super powerful, as well as those Terminators, who I make them, you know, I always start them on the board, I leave them untargetable uh, by spending command points so they can't get shot at, they're basically just putting out, you know, bolt arounds every turn with basically no kind of threat you know, to getting shot at or anything like that. And then when they go in for the kill, they're completely untouched. So it's a really powerful unit. I really enjoy those. Okay, there you go. The magic of live podcasting there. And maybe just a taste, Peter, of what's held in the future when we figure out how to add music to these things. Yeah, maybe. Maybe once we figure out how to edit and post. So now the entire audience has heard Jim Vessel's list 100,000 times. Shall we hit it again? Yeah, and I'll try to make it as fast as possible for those people about to fall asleep. Uh, but Jim Vessel, Chaos Demons ba uh, Battalion Detachment, Nurgle, 654 points. He brought that Poxbringer. He brought that Sloppity Bilepiper. He brought those 60 Plague Bearers and three Nurglings. He then brought a second battalion, this time Chaos Undivided, with a Changecaster, his Corn Demon Prince of Absolute Murder Make, 30 Pink Horrors, 20 Bloodletters, 10 Brimstone Horrors, and then a Thousand Suns Supreme Command Detachment with three Demon Princes of Zinch and Ariman. Now, one thing you should note about both lists that I brought up, they both kept five to seven points in reserve for reinforcement points. Um, something I'd like to uh, call the Jim Vessel Gambit. Um, everyone here, everyone listening should have heard uh, Jim's old uh, talk long ago about why he decided to uh, take a five points of reinforcements. Do you happen to know, Val? I, I, I believe it is so that if something gets killed in Overwatch, he can, he can split down into a, an, in, into a blue horror? Yeah, I believe you're right. And that's really the only difference um, between this game's lists and the game that happened in Barry Bash, because TJ wasn't pulling any of these seven-point reinforcement shenanigans back at Barry when he last beat Jim. Um, but this time, you know, 
Maybe this was an acknowledgement of the amazing tactical genius that is uh, JV, Jim Bessel, or maybe it was possibly a mockery of that very strategy. We'll never know. We'll never know. So, I mean, I know you're calling out the the uh, the splitting horror trick, uh, but maybe we'll hear what TJ had to think uh, or thinks was his MVP. Uh, so some highlights for the weekend. I ended up playing... Um most important game of the weekend, which is definitely game six, you know, added level of, you know, you're in the finals, you've done well the whole weekend, you got to finish a solid finish. How to play Jim Vessel, uh, probably the best players in the world right now. He's doing really, really well with Chaos, which is also a fashion I play. So there was that extra level of mirror match tension that made it such a fantastic game. You know, uh, Jim's a good competitor, so it was very um, tactical. So I really enjoy that game. It was very important um important game so all right so that was uh obviously not his mvp he's talking about uh, coming into that top table let's actually go back to jim and uh jim's going to talk a little bit about that last game so just thinking about my final game um you know there's a really interesting game from the start it's a mirror match and you know both me and tj uh have played before he actually beat me at the top table at barry bash about a month and a half ago uh, i knew exactly what i was going into and Ultimately, um, we both agreed before the game started that the game would come down to who had better psychic phases, who had better deny phases, and uh, you know who who rolled better on their four plus involves. And unfortunately for me, um, you know TJ had some unbelievable psychic phases and uh, four plus invulnerable saves on his demon princes, and I did not. And you know he got a few key death X's off, and I did not. And uh, in a game where involves are so important, that makes such a huge difference. So he was really able to capitalize on those things um, and put me in a bad spot early game. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, he's a great opponent. Um, I'm glad that that game was on stream. Uh, it was a super stressful game, but uh, ultimately I think we resolved all our kind of disputes pretty good. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to... He's looking forward to maybe getting out there and winning another GT, I'm sure. Um, uh, in a game that was caught live on stream, as, as he mentioned, which you can check out uh, via Facebook Live. Uh, you just search for the Canadian Tabletop Championship. Of course, J JV fell to an onslaught of Pink Horrors, Demon Princes, and Blightlord Terminators. Uh, we do hope he enjoyed flying so close to the sun. Now he can go live out his Warhammer Celebrity retirement somewhere nice. Although I'm sure he'll be playing in a GT next week. Uh, why don't we uh, hear from uh, hear from our man TJ about what his thoughts were about the final game? Uh, turning point in the final game, so it looked pretty rough um, starting. You know, mirror match is never never you never know about a mirror match, especially chaos, because we have a lot of powerful spells that can go and just flip the game completely on its head. So I didn't know what was going to happen, uh, especially with the deployment, because we were pretty close to each other and. And then when I lost the roll to see who went first, and he made me go first, I was already feeling like I was going to be uphill. Um, so I had, a, I knew I had to put some work in. Uh, turning point uh, definitely was when his axe demon prince, unfortunately, just completely did not manage to kill my demon prince. And then my demon prince turned around and just completely killed his. So that was really, really big because that eliminated threats for my demon princes. So they could kind of run around and do what they wanted to for the rest of the game. All right. So I guess they're on a similar page there as to what went down. Congratulations to TJ for, for taking to the end, besting the former king of the north, uh, Jim Vessel, in the final round of the Canadian Tabletop Championship. I'm going to go a little off script here. Um, because uh, there was another big story, and unfortunately we didn't get to hear it from the player's mouth. Uh, but Nick Nanavati switching off from Orcs 
to uh, Gene Steeler Cult. Um, do we want to maybe hit that list? Yeah, sure. So Nick ended up coming in second place at the event, um, only losing to uh, Jim Vessel by one point. Um, so his list was a Twisted Helix Battalion uh, with the Anointed Throng Specialist Detachment. He had a Patriarch, a Primus, three units of 10 Brew Brothers, and then two units of 10 Aberrants. He then had a uh, Four-Armed Emperor Battalion uh, with the uh, Deliverance Brood Surge Specialist Detachment. He had an Icon Ward, a Primus, two squads of 15 Acolytes with four Rock Saws each, and a unit of 10 Brew Brothers, a Clamavis, a Nexus, a Kellermorph, and then a Soup Battalion that had a Four-Armed Emperor Patriarch, a Bladed Cog Magus, 20 Acolytes uh, with uh, full-on Hand Flamers uh, as Bladed Cog, and then two more 10-man squads of Brew Brothers with a Four-Armed Emperor Kellermorph. And uh, a really great showing for, from Nick. I'm sure also, I'm sure Joe, the tournament organizer, really happy to see so many international players making the trip up north to Ottawa. Um, you know, it's probably a long drive or a short flight for a lot of people on the East Coast anyway. And uh, it really helped to attract the, the, the numbers and the people that came out. So yeah, like Nick putting his name behind the event because um, this was the first year, remember, of the Canadian Tabletop Championship. I know Joe came on super strong last last fall. He uh, had a press release. He, he you know he immediately had this big convention mentality, um, and uh, I know he worked really hard to to actually get it to to fruition. You know, me personally, I was you know wondering, you know, is this is this the Fire Festival of Warhammer 40k? In fact, it's not. That's a wonderful thing, and I'm sure in the in future years it's going to continue to grow and and really be a, a destination event. I also want to really call out third place here because you might remember him from the ITC top 10 rankings. I don't know. It must have been 2017. Jason Sparks. He was our former Canadian hero uh, up here. And he was uh, one of the top four who actually did run the last ride of the uh, Flyer Spam Eldari by the looks of it. Yeah, so uh, Jason uh, came in. He was not playing any shenanigans here. He brought an airwing detachment, um, ally talk with three Crimson Hunter Exarchs, a Nightwing, and a Hemlock Wraithfighter. He then had an Inari Battalion with a Farseer Skyrunner, Warlock Skyrunner, Ivrain, 15 Rangers, uh, eight, sorry, nine Shining Spears, and a block of 10 Dark Reapers. Not too bad. And pour one out for that list, everybody. Because uh, it'll be a little bit different uh, in the future, I would think. Yeah, I would imagine it'll be a lot bit different. Yeah, any, any final closing thoughts on the uh, Canadian Tabletop Championship? Do you feel uh, like this, this is the, the uh, that TJ Lanigan is the champion of Canada as a fellow Canadian? I don't know, Val. I mean, it hurts my heart to think that a man who is trying so hard to be a Canadian um, keeps beating us at our own game, on our own soil. But at the same time, you know what? He's part of Team Canada now, so suck it, U.S. Also, he's clearly a Canadian in training. Most of the plaid he wears, though, is in the form of his ties. So he's got a little bit to learn. It's a true story. But, I mean, if you listen to or watch that game between him and Jim Vessel, I believe he apologizes more than Jim does. <laughs> yeah, and again, you can catch that on, uh, on Facebook. It was a Facebook live stream game. They... Uh, I don't know what Joe did to get a stream organized during the course of the GT because they started without one and they had a pretty good camera set up by the time it ended. So that's, uh, I guess, the Canadian Tabletop Championship. Just search for it on Facebook, go down the feed, and you'll see that penultimate game. So what's next? Well, next on the docket, way down in a small trailer park in Florida, 
An idea became a plan, which became a series of plans, which eventually became Armageddon series Battle for the Peaks, a two-day Warhammer GT in the heart of Kissimmee, home of the world's largest orange. Is that an actual fact about Kissimmee? Kissimmee. Does it have the world's largest orange? I do believe it does. I did a quick Google search before we uh, started recording, and that was the its claim to fame, that and being in the middle of everything, which isn't saying much for Florida. That's right. And as we promised at the beginning of the show, this is all about facts. We're going to kick it over to John Lennon, uh, one of the uh, TOs and organizers there. So uh, this was our first year running the Battle for the Peak. Uh, we decided to do it a couple months ago because a couple of people in our club, uh, Team Brohammer, have kind of always wanted to try our hand at this, uh, help the, support the community more. And so we wanted to give a shot. Uh, in typical Florida fashion, we actually held it in a uh, RV park, which had plenty of parking space and a uh, good price and good air conditioning, so we were happy to have it. Um, also, Florida, we ended up playing in a thunderstorm and the power flickered out a couple times, but we had a blast. There you have it, folks. Parking and air conditioning, the two key requirements for a Florida GT. Uh, it was also hosted, I'm not sure if you mentioned there, by Cass Cornell. Uh, and the, uh, the, this one did choose to fully incorporate the latest FAQ, FAQ despite it coming in the final hour. Uh, though they did allow any Inari players their last chance for romance. So another one like the CTC, um, Team Brohammer was in full attendance, making up 22 of the 41 attendees at the event, which was won by Daniel Smith. He played what some would consider a unique Chaos Space Marine list. Um, I could try to explain the theory, but why don't you take a listen to the methods behind his madness from the Falcon himself? You want to just kick the list off before we get in there? You know what? I bet you that I can. Just give me two seconds to bring it up here. Of course. You'd think I'd be prepared, but... No, I was zoned out while I was talking. So. Well, every time I hear John Lennon speak, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it was lull it lulled me into... I could just see him, like, blasting around on an airboat, uh, you know, gators clapping after his legs i guess gators clap now uh you know like snapping their jaws is what i was going for, for sure for sure pablo so daniel smith battle for the peak 2019 chaos demon battalion to start it off he had a herald of Silanesh, a pox bringer 20 brimstone horrors 29 plague bearers he then had a chaos marine battalion alpha legion with a demon prince with wings and Silanesh mark dark apostle with two dark disciples uh, three three five-man squads of Chaos Space Marines with the Mark of Slanesh, a squad of ten Chaos Terminators with the Mark of Slanesh, all with chain axes and combi bolters, three Obliterators, and then a Thousand Suns Supreme Command Detachment with Ahriman, a Demon Prince with wings, and a Sorcerer and Terminator armor. Sorry, you, you summoned Pablo there. I think it works really well with the music. Yeah, you know what? We'll work on it. And you still didn't get to the actual intro of Chapter Tactics, which is uh, quite a remarkable feat. So I won't belabor it anymore. Let's... Uh, Let's kick it over to Daniel, uh, who's uh, going to give a little bit of a description of, of his list, uh, and then maybe I'll just feed right into his list MVP. Weird, I have two threats, just the Terminators and the Obliterators, and of course all the characters with smites and everything. Uh, the, the best thing about my list is, at any given point, the only valid targets for you to shoot are going to be minus two to hit. They're going to have a five up invulnerable, a five up feel no pain. Uh, probably the Terminators and Obliterators will be two up armor, hopefully in cover. It's incredibly hard to kill a single unit from my arm. And that was the goal. Just play points denial, hold more, and try to get kill more. I got to give the MVP to the 10 man Chaos Terminator. They were amazing. I mean, I'd love to say Obliterators. The Obliterators won me two games, but those Chaos Terminators won three games. They actually parked out of line of sight against a Tau Castle 
with the Dark Apostle, minus two to hit. If he moved, they're minus three to hit. There was no way for him to kill those Terminators, and it enabled me to let all of my characters essentially win me the game. We actually have some more from, from Daniel. Um, he's actually going to uh, talk uh, about a bit about his uh, his road to the, the top table in which he uh, actually uh, beats uh, the guy who winds up in second, Andrew Ford. So here we go, back to Daniel. My most important game was against Andrew Ford. Uh, it was a huge turning point in the tournament. His list was incredibly solid. He's a very good player. Uh, I was definitely worried about that one the most. Um, that was round four. And the dice just happened to go in my favor, and I won by a single point. It was huge, and a huge confidence booster moving to top table. So he's coming to top. Do we actually have the uh, the top table list that he, that he faced off against? For sure. So um, he went up against David Ozawa, who was playing a um, Imperium multi-faction list. It was Death Watch primary. So to go through the list, um, he starts off with a super heavy auxiliary detachment with a Housecraft Crusader. He then had a Death, uh, Death Watch battalion with a Librarian with Jump Pack, a Watchmaster, a mixed squad of veterans with, uh, it looks like, two Terminators, a Vanguard vet, and then six veterans with Storm Bolters and Storm Shields. A, he has three of those units. Um, and then he had a um, Adeptus Mechanicus uh, Stygis Battalion with two Engine Seers and 15 Rangers, as well as three Onager Dune Crawlers. Not too shabby. So that's what... Uh... Our man Daniel's going in against uh, with his chaos. Uh, let's hear what uh, Daniel has to say about that. In the final game, it all came down to the very last roll. He had a character with two wounds left. I had a demon prince that was three inches away. If I make the charge and kill it, I win by a point. If I fail the charge or if I don't kill it, I lose by a point. And fortunately, I made the charge and I killed the character. It was just a little tech priest agency with two wounds left. So, so uh yeah, the epic final words of our uh, uh, trailer park, new trailer park supervisor. That was, I think, the uh, the, the the thing that they won uh, for uh, for taking that tournament. So congratulations to Daniel Smith uh, for his big win down in Florida. Mm-hmm. And as always, guys, you can v- view the rest of the top four at 40kstats.com, or you can check out the full roster of lists at the best at Best Coast Pairings via their uh, player app. Yes, via that player app, which is so very handy, and none of this, well, most of this uh, would be impossible without our friends at BCP, so uh, check them a sub if you got a chance. Um, I guess it's time to move on into the, 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 the Midwest, I assume, I, I think, um, of, of the United States for the Circle City GT. Uh, it took place in Martinsville, Indiana- Indianapolis? I believe that's Indiana. 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 At the same, at the Circle City Game Club, 50 players were in attendance, including many representatives from Manbeard Gaming, Gentleman Gaming, and Team Happy. It definitely appears Team Happy came to win, no matter the cost, taking four of the top five spots at the event. The tournament was inevitably won by JC, Justin Curtis, who once again dragged Mortarian out of what of what some would say are the annals of obscurity. Um, so, you know what? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a, a little break here. I'm gonna try reading a list. Okay, just just bear with me here. Okay, so Justin Curtis, uh, he winds up winning with uh, Italian detachment of uh, Thousand Sons, led by Araman, uh, a sorcerer. Uh, we had uh, in in the troop slots we had three units of Zangors. I guess a 14 and 19 and 24 person uh, units. Uh, probably a little bit more than that actually. 
Uh, we had a super auxiliary detachment, super heavy auxiliary detachment with, of course, Mortarian himself. And then finally, we had a, a Death Guard Vanguard detachment with a Chaos Lord, Bolt Pistol, and Chainsword, um, which uh, in the troop slot, Poxwalkers, Poxwalker sighting, 18 of them. And uh, in the elites, we had Death Shroud, Terminators, looks like, uh, how many are we saying there? Three? Yeah, just the minimum squad. And then our friend, uh, you know him, we love him, the Hellforge Contemptor Dreadnought with two C-beam cannons. He had two of those guys, as well as a Hellforged Scorpius. Um, now, I think uh, we actually have some some uh, clips from Justin Curtis. He's going to actually talk to you about how excited he is to have run this list. I'd say the only notable thing about my list is that I'm probably never going to play it again. <laughs> it's not actually being changed in any way for the FAQ, but... Um, I had already designed new lists with FAQ and Vigilus Ablaze and all the new Chaos options, and I only played this list just by default because I didn't want to think about building a current list, so I just defaulted back to my Adepticon list. And right now I'm so excited about trying Lord Discordance and maybe New Havocs, things like that, that I'm probably never going to play this army ever again. Well, that's uh, inspiring words from our champion. Um, <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> So all you people who got really excited about that list, Justin Curtis hates you. Yep, he wants you to know that Mortarian is a pile of garbage. Well, that's funny. He does talk about Mortarian a little bit here. As far oh, as unit MVP, uh, when you play an army like me, uh, it's going to be Mortarian no matter what. So if we kind of shift him to the side, it's probably the Sicarius, uh, the special whirlwind from Forge World. I kept telling people I originally took it because... It gave me an option against Gene Stealer Cult, and that's what I was afraid of at the time. This is my Adepticon list, um, since we were playing without FAQ. Um, so my new lists weren't really valid yet. Um, the Sicarius, I kept complaining. Uh, the other option, other than make me better against Gene Stealer Cult, was it makes me way better against Eldar. That thing shreds Shining Spears, Windrider Jet Bikes, Dark Reapers, Hiding in Cover, a lot of things that cause problems for an army like mine. And then since I've put it in, in I think going on 17 consecutive tournament games, I had then not played Eldar and not played Gene Stiller Cult. <laughs> so I finally got to play Eldar. Um, it blew up. Uh, I assume it blew up some Eldar. We'd have to take that guess. Yes. Um, now, of course, uh, Justin, on his way to the top tables, probably beat some other guys. But then he ran into uh, a somewhat notable name in the Midwest. A double A name, a double barreled name. And so he went on to the top table for a knockdown, drag it out battle against Aaron Aliong and Rubber Booty Gilliman. Thanks, mm -hmm. to, the, thanks to the script writers. Um, now, of course, Aaron and, uh, and Justin are uh, teammates on Team Happy. Uh, so I just want to know his thoughts a little bit on, uh, on, on what it's like to run into a, a teammate at the top table. Playing on final table against a teammate is always awesome. That's what we all hope for. It looked like it was either going to be me and Grappando, or me and Alion coming into the day. Um, and we even had Daniel Sansone there right there with us, too. He ended up uh, fifth, I think. And it, it's just great, because then you know one of you is going to get it, and you all had a good day. We ended up uh, first, third, fourth, fifth, and I think our, uh, I think our other member, Tyler, was uh, 11th or so, just barely out of the top 10. So we, we all had a really good weekend. I've also known Aaron forever. He's the very first friend I made in this game. I've been playing Aliong for 11 years now. I always tell people I think I've played more games against Aaron Aliong than anyone in the country because <laughs> he used to be my every weekend, let's go down to the store and play a game kind of game. Uh, but when I moved to Chicago five, six years ago, we barely ever get to play anymore. 
So it was super exciting to get to play him again. Super excited to play Aaron Aleong. Not words you'd expect on a competitive podcast. He's pretty, uh, pretty serious guy across the tabletop. So it's, uh, it's good to know that you know they're on the same page at least coming into that, and that game. And that whole interview that just really warms my heart because that's really the the essence of Warhammer, isn't it? It's about making friends and playing this game you love with with those friends, right? Yeah, and then beating everyone else so bad that you don't have to play anyone you don't know. <laughs> Truer words. So uh, here we go. Last words from uh, from Justin, uh, just about that uh, that final game. Most important thing in the final game was actually probably a decision I made the night before. That was first game of day two, so I had all night to think about it, which was to not send Mortarian turn one against an Imperial list, which is kind of insane from a looking at it in a vacuum standpoint, because all my army really does is send Mortarian at people turn one, force them to kill him, and get whatever he can grab in the meantime especially against Imperials, where he's basically a blender when he has Prescience and Death to the False Emperor on fives and everything else. Um, Aliong plays a very light, shooting, heavy combat Imperial Guard army, and I think one of the mistakes people make against him is they play against it as if it were any other Imperial Guard army. I looked at it and realized he had no AP shooting as an entire army, except Gilliman's token little gun. It's all mortars and Punisher cannons and las guns. So if I don't send Mortarian into his backfield and let the characters get him, I can realistically just tank the Relic of Lost Katie around. Which, which uh, would mess him up, I think is what he was going to say there. <laughs> it's a true story. Um, if you want to cover Aaron's list that, they, that uh, went up against him in the final round, um, it's a list that Aaron has been tweaking uh, on and off here for the last few months. It's very similar to one he ran at Cagbash Part 12, in fact, um, except that he dropped a little bit of his uh, Vanguard veterans. So the list is a Blood Angels Battalion with two Smash Captains, one with Storm Shield, one with an extra Chainsword, a Librarian Dreadnought, three units of Close Combat Scouts, and then a Cadian uh, Brigade with a Company Commander, a Primaris Psyker, a Punisher Tank Commander, 60 Guardsmen, an Astropath, a squad of five Bulgren, two Platoon Commanders, three Scout Sentinels with Multi-Lasers, and three squads of uh, Heavy Mortar, the correction, of uh, regular Mortars. And then finally, that Lord of War, Rubber Booty Gulliman himself. And a little bit of that 86 uh, reserve point spice, mm. I would assume for an assassin of choice, but who knows what he was doing with it. You it's Aaron Al- Aliong. He could, he, maybe he was summoning demons. Maybe, we'll never know. Maybe he just, you know, he's, he's, he's played points down before. So maybe he it's, was just, he was just like not spending the CP and just giving the field a chance. Yeah. Hey. Um, so do you want to hit, so actually Tyler White, who wound up in second place, he was, uh, uh, let's just see here. So he was running multi-faction Imperium as well. Um, he, uh, according to BCP, anyone won, uh, the best overall trophy for this tournament. So he was actually the, uh, I guess JC is the, is the, uh, is the best general in most, uh, in most tournaments. Uh, so Tyler White, actually the overall winner. Uh, but the points go to Justin. Um, so anyway, he's got a uh, Katachin Brigade with uh, Commissar Yark, a company commander, two Primaris Psychers. He's got seven infantry squads packing those grenade launchers in them. Uh, in the elite slot, he's got a Mistorm, two Ministorm Priests and a uh, Platoon Commander, just naked. Uh, under fast attack, he's got uh, 15 Rough Riders and three units of five. Under heavy support, he's got uh, two Basilisks and a Wyvern. And then uh, uh, he... 
flips over to a Blood Angels battalion. Uh, he's got a captain with a jump, uh, well, smash captain. Two of those, plus Mephiston, he's back. Uh, and then uh, three scout squads in the troops. And then rounding it all out in a Supreme Command detachment, the multifactionist of multifactions. We've got a Wolf Lord on a bike with a Thunderhammer and Storm Shield, a Wolf Lord on a bike with a Thunderhammer and Storm Shield, and then a Rune Priest on bike with uh, Storm Bolter and Psychic Hood. Way to go, buddy. Good job, Tyler. You did everyone proud. That's right. Got to get that. You got to get that. Those those wolves in there every now and again. So uh, a live stream of the finals, as well as a number of other rounds can be seen by checking out the Mid-American Gaming Series on Facebook. Uh, and you can also uh, you can also, of course, see all the uh, lists available for you in BCP as long as you got a subscription. Is it is it getting a little more uh, fantastical in here? Do it. Am, am, am I? Sensing some dancing brooms uh, cascading around the room. Perhaps the water is rising ever so slightly. I think you're right. I think you're right. Fantasia 35. Mm. Finally, we get to bring you news from the biggest event over the weekend. Fantasia Fanatic 35. It's a tournament with 17 years of history. 17 years, Val. I mean, just to give you an idea, um, that's the same year that Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, won its first Golden Globe. That's that is absolutely incredible, and also um, no slight to to Reese. He assumed they didn't know how Roman numerals worked because it was XXXV, and he couldn't believe that there was actually thirty five of these things. It's actually held uh, every other year, and I'm hoping I'm actually. Oh no, it's held every six months. Sorry, it's sorry, semi-annually. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Damn it, I did biannually. Anyway, uh, Jesus, um, pal. So actually, I've got we've got a, a little bit uh, from the from the organizer Andreas, I believe is his name, and uh, he's going to uh, sing to you and make you want to travel to beautiful Umeå, Sweden. Here we go. You said it right, Umeå. Umeå. Hi, my name is Andreas, and I'm running Fantasia Fanatic in Sweden, Umeå. Nowadays, Swedish biggest 40k tournament. I've been hosting the tournament since '99, and this was our 35th event, as it held twice a year. I've been running a store in Sweden since 95, selling mainly Games Workshop and as a big GW fanboy myself. Starting a tournament felt like a good way to build a community and getting just people more involved in the game and, and the community. From that on, it's been really great fun to see it grow from a total of 50 players to now having 120 40k players and 50 Atreus Sigma players. Both casual players from all over Scandinavia, but also Swedish and Finnish ETC players. The tournament is held at the local school gymnastic hall. It's uh, 1,200 square meters, so we can easily have... Uh, yes, yeah, so, so we were just going to cut off the tee of that. Just for those wondering, which gymnasium? That's the uh, Dragonskalan Gymnasium. Uh, leave it to Sweden to have the most metal name for a gym in all of the world. Uh, Dragonskolan. I mean, holy crap. What does that even mean? Probably dragon scale, but it, whatever. It means uh, if you misbehave, the dragon will eat your children. It's... Uh, mm. With this and the their Westeros Gaming Club in Westeros, oh my goodness! Another so thing. excited. I mean, that's another one that uh, that I believe Reese claimed was fake. Um, so Sweden just keeps throwing Reese uh, curveballs here. He doesn't um, know how to handle it. Uh, it is here where great mountain trolls battled frost giants, and where history was etched on the very scales of Jormungandr itself. Maybe I'm not up on my Scandinavian mythology, though I did play God of War. That was not my line, because I never did play God of War. What do you mean? Never did. Val? Just never got into it. Get into the latest one, at least. Come on. It's like a reboot, but amazing. <laughs> Except it's not a reboot. 
And that's where they get you. For for all of our uh, international and especially American friends, could you please say reboot again? Oh, I apologize. Reboot. Reboot. So um, to follow, uh, to uh, keep going here, we had 106 players that took part in a five-round event using custom Eternal War and Maelstrom missions. Um, as far as we understand it, the event chose to use the errata from the fact, but not all of the fact due to time constraints, other than to enforce that obliterators were indeed 115 points and, then- and not not that like heavenly 65 everyone thought well by everyone i mean all of the terrible people in the world thought they were yeah and, you know i'm I'm just so very thankful for that errata and let's uh let, let's kick it back over to uh andreas to close he's our last guest segment here uh just to tell us a little bit about the event and what he was looking forward to and who the top players were the tournament is held at a local school gymnastic hall it's uh, 1200 square meters so we can easily fit around 250 players as I said, it's held in Umeå, which is a small town with around 100,000 people, one hour flight north of Stockholm. The venue is a 10-minute walk from the central town, so even if you come here by plane or train, it's really easy to get to. So for all you guys listening out there in Europe or even US, uh, it's a flight to Stockholm and then one hour extra flight to join us here in Umeå playing a tournament way, way up north in Sweden. You know, um, I, I'm sold. Uh, you know, I think I think I'll go. Um, no, I will be it. honest. Just listening to his voice, I wanted to go. Only four hours, uh, you know, from some other place in Europe, and then another hour. Um, but now he'll actually talk uh, a little bit more about the event itself. The Swedish ETC players have been dominating the tournament for the last ten years. So this time around, it was fun to have some of the Finnish ETC players to give them a bit more competition. I had heard a lot of Karl Abramsson's Genestille Kalt army, which had been undefeated prior to the event, but also Jimmy Pettersson, which won last time, playing LR this time. I guess these two guys were my favorite to take home the tournament. At the end, it came down to Karl Abramsson and Eero Saukanen from Finland playing Eldari. In game 5, Karl Abramsson managed to win with 20-0, taking home the tournament with a total of 92 points. 10 points ahead of Johnny Havisto playing Astra Militarum slash Imperial Knight. So that was a bit from this Fantasia Fanatic. Uh, next time it will be held the 12th to 13th of October. So hopefully some of you guys would like to join us up here in Umeå. Thank you. And you know, although we kid, um, that was a huge event. Uh, you know, I made a big deal about one being held in Brandon, Manitoba. Um, this one is actually a massive one. They have multiple game systems up there as well, from what I understand. Uh, so yes. it's, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, kudos to those guys for, for drawing out people from all over Scandinavia for this one. For sure. I mean, they have some picks up on uh, Facebook and um, like they packed, like he said, they, they can fit 250 people comfortably. That gym was definitely packed. I know they had uh, 48 players uh, in the end for their AOS tournament, 106 by the by the end of it for the Warhammer 40k uh, champs. But they also ran a casual 40k event. They had a bolt action event like this is some serious business, guys. It's uh, it's quite quite the show. And uh, everything I've heard is that they did an amazing job as always. Well, uh, if, if, if Joe can get uh, Nick Nanavati to go to Ottawa, why can't Andreas get him to go to Umia? It's a good question. It's a good question. Maybe all he has to do is ask. Maybe he can ask him to join the Swedish ETC team. 
Well, a big shout out to Carl Abramson, as we heard Andreas said, for getting a second major win of this year uh, with Gene Steelercoats. His final match was against uh, Ricard Itegren. I don't, I probably brutalized that, and I apologize, Ricard, uh, with that Chaos Marines list at the top table for the win. And uh, he brought 59 hand flamer acolytes to the show. Amazing. I mean, a paltry number when you really think over it, uh, but like 59 guys. I don't. I mean, it's. Uh, was there anything else in the list? I'm. I'm pretty sure it was just 59 acolytes. But I'll get that list for you right now, and we can see for mm-hmm. ourselves. I mean, I can. I've, I've got it. I'm looking at it. Let's find out what else we had. 59 hand flamer wielding acolytes. What else do we have? We had a battalion detachment of Tyranids with high featuring high feet fleet Kraken, uh, which had a broom lord, the swarm lord, uh, looking like. Uh, you know, 18, 17 Gene Steelers and a Ripper Swarm. Um, so that was two units of Gene Steelers. And then in the uh, next uh, battalion detachment, he had Gene Steeler Cults. Um, so this is the Deliverance Brood Surge Specialist Detachment uh, featuring an Acolyte Icon Ward, Primus. Um, and uh, also here come the Acolyte Hybrids. We had a unit of uh, 20, 20, 19, yep. 20, uh, all rockin' hand flamers entirely. Good times. Um, and then in the elite slot, we had a Clamavus, a Kelomarf, a Nexos. A Nexos? What is a Nexos? A Sanctus. Uh, and then in the battalion detachment, uh, to round it all out, we had another Tyranids battalion detachment. Uh, this one was mixed, so it was a, uh, a Magus, um, uh, oh, like what the? A Patriarch. A Magus of Patriarch, and then, sorry, it was listed as a Tyranids, uh, Gene Stewart calls, there it is, a Magus of Patriarch, and then three units of Brood Brothers, uh, Infantry Squads, uh, that's the list. Yeah, like, there's not much to say here, 60 Hand Flamers, any horde he goes up against is done, just done, I can't imagine, um, I just can't imagine seeing 60 Hand Flamers in a list with some of the lists I like to run myself. Um, if we look at second place uh, that Andreas also brought up, uh, Uni Havisto, he had a Emperor's Wrath Artillery Company Katachin Brigade with Strachan, Yarek, a company commander with Power Fist, um, 60 infantry squ- uh, six infantry squads, a Ministorum Priest, two Power Fist-wielding platoon commanders, three armored sentinels with autocannons, a Wyvern, and two... Um, mortar squads. He then had a Supreme Cadian uh, detachment, uh, Emperor's Fist, with three tank commanders, uh, one with the Hammer of Sundrance, another with another battle cannon, and then an Executioner Plasma tank commander, all of them with Plasma Cannon Sponsons as well, and a Knight Crusader from House Karast. In third place, who I should say went undefeated, they did use battle points uh, like in a normal ETC style missions. So while Uni did go four and one, and uh, he did come in second, uh, Martin Isdal third, undefeated with Anari. He ran Ivrain, a Warlock Skyrunner, three squads of eight Storm Guardians, ten Dark Reapers, and then an Ally Talk Battalion with a Farseer, a Farseer Skyrunner, and uh, once again another three squads of eight Storm Guardians, a Wave Serpent. Three hemlocks in an ally talk airwing and a crimson hunter exarch. R.I.P. R.I.P. That list. And uh, fourth place, I believe, also undefeated. Uh, there were 
six undefeated players at, at this tournament, given how big it was and, and that they did only do the five rounds. Um, the But the fourth place, Stefan Viterstedt, who ran a Cult of Strife, a Drukhari battalion with Lilith Hesperax, a Succubus, um, 21 Witches, a Beastmaster with seven Razorwing Flocks, two Raiders, four Venoms, and then another Cult of Strife battalion with two Succubi, another 15 Witches, and 14 Reavers with the Grav Talons. And then finally, a Cabal of the Blackheart uh, Airwing Detachment with two Razorwing Jet Fighters and a Void Raven Bomber. That's quite the interesting list that he brought there. Not too many people bringing out that Cult of Strife of late and in those numbers. Couldn't uh, couldn't agree with you more. And maybe in the new version of Yunari, uh, we'll actually see more of these types of guys. It's true. It's now a close combat-oriented list from everything we can see. Maybe uh, the new boss will be just like the old boss, except weirder and a list run by Sean Naden. Well, I think you are correct about at least one thing. <laughs> and that would make it the first time in this almost hour-long podcast. Uh, I believe that that wraps up all the event coverage we've we've uh, you know planned for this this evening. Congratulations to all the players out up in Sweden. Uh, and to all the people who participated in GTs this past weekend. Um, hopefully this isn't our last show, but you never know. Uh, you know, uh, we, we have uh, Reese and Pablo to answer to, as well as a very upset Jeff and Sean, uh, who have nothing to do tonight because we stole the show. I'm about as sorry as I can be, and that's saying something. Uh, we have to use their language. It's sorry. We're sorry. sorry. We're sorry. I apologize greatly for any inconvenience we have caused. But thanks, everyone, for listening in. Please, once again, give us a shout-out. Tell us what we can fix, what we need to change, what we did well, what we could do differently. Uh, we'll be happy to take any and all comments, queries, and criticisms. Yes. Um, all of the criticisms you can direct to uh, PD Bob at Frontline Gaming. Um, otherwise, just praise for us. But honestly, we're uh, looking forward to tightening the shit up, the ship up. Ooh, Val. <laughs> oh, my. Justin Curtis. Justin, Justin Curtis. And guys, just so you know, in the future, we'll be covering more than just the events. We'll be looking at uh, stats coverage, um, meta coverage, etc. Just this being our first show, it being a pirate episode, and finally... Um, the um, the the complete change we're having in our meta we didn't think it would be right to spend another half hour talking eloquently about how every faction is doing when now we have no idea what's going to happen it's all about the sample size so remember no matter what you thought of the show pretty small sample size of what we can do so thank you for listening uh peter you have yourself a very good rest of your evening and val you as well thank you good night good night ka ka